It's just after 11 p.m. in Clifton, a neighborhood in Cincinnati, Ohio. Randy Youngy is in a deer blind in the woods, waiting. He's been in the cold for hours, hoping a deer will show up. Then, at 11.11, a doe wanders over, and Randy takes his shot. He texts a group of us, and we start hiking up to him. We're walking through the woods, up a big hill, and through a bunch of dry honeysuckle. There's a big flashlight and that's where the deer is. Randy's standing next to the doe holding a flashlight. She's lying on her side. Someone slides a blindfold over her eyes. Lots of people. The guys shimmy her onto a makeshift stretcher. And then... They carry her back down the hill. And load her into the back of a pickup truck. I'm just going to rotate. You, you, got, you guys rotate. Yeah, I got the and then we drive off. But we're not going to a processor or a taxidermist. Because Randy shot the deer with a tranquilizer dart. And this doe, she's still very much alive. We're heading to an operating room. When we get there, they'll flip the deer over, make a small incision, and remove her ovaries. This is Points North, a podcast about the land, water, and inhabitants of the Great Lakes. I'm Ellie Katz, in for Dan Wanshara. Across a lot of our region, there's just too many deer. And people have different ideas about how to solve that problem. Today, we look at one unique fix. Support for Points North comes from Cherry Republic, celebrating northern Michigan's tart cherries with products like jams, barbecue sauces, chocolate-covered cherries, and more. Online at cherryrepublic.com. And Aspire North Realtors, bringing real estate professionals together, supporting their involvement in the community, and advocating for the industry in a sustainable way. Online at aspirenorthrealtors.com. Yeah, I really do well at cocktail parties, you know? Like, I'm the dear ovary lady. (laughs) This is Lori Briggs. One day in 2014, Lori got a call from her friend Chris Lottman. And Chris says, did you hear about the Clifton Town meeting tonight? Clifton is the Cincinnati neighborhood where Lori and Chris live. It's got these big, beautiful rolling hills and wooded city parks, but the deer there were getting out of control. So the parks board proposed a pretty standard solution, a bow hunt. Chris told Lori, we should go to this meeting. I'm like, yeah, I'm in. So there's Chris and I, we know absolutely nothing. Have never thought about deer management in any way. But they showed up to the meeting anyway. And what was happening in Clifton is happening all over the Midwest. There are way too many white-tailed deer, especially in urban suburban areas, where we've killed off their natural predators and planted a lot of nice food for them to eat. All these deer, they prevent the forest from regrowing. They eat up native wildflowers and make room for invasive plants. They cause car accidents, destroy people's yards, and risk the spread of disease. So towns and cities across the region often decide to cull the deer, 
but Lori and Chris were not on board with that. They're urban deer, so they're used to people, they're in our yards all the time, and they just feel like our neighbors. And, you know, the idea of them being hunted, it felt like if I didn't try to come up with another solution, I was letting my neighbors down. So they asked for a brief pause on the hunting to research deer control options that didn't involve killing. But the answer was... Was very polite, but very firmly, no. I felt a little bit scared, like, this is going to happen, and I'm going to hate seeing my neighborhood deer killed, and there's nothing I can do about it. But our friend Chris had other ideas. So the two of them started frantically researching. They're making phone calls, Googling, emailing. They're reading about culling, about deer immunocontraceptives, birth control shots, deer vasectomies, deer field surgery. And then, then they found Tony. How do people react when you explain what you do if you're at, you know, a dinner party or something? Uh, there's always intrigue, and then it kind of depends on the audience, right? That's Tony DiNicola. He's a wildlife biologist and the CEO of White Buffalo Incorporated. Vicky, my wife, always reminds me that uh, she was tells people that I, I was shooting monkeys, and um, and and some people look at you like, what the hell does this guy do? Tony and his colleagues at White Buffalo travel around the world controlling species that have gotten a little out of control. Sometimes it's an invasive monkey colony, but mostly it's animals like pigs, goats, elk, and deer. With deer, they use two main methods to reduce the population. Lethal control, like sharpshooting, or fertility control. Tony's been doing this since the early 90s. For a while, he'd been testing out what are basically birth control vaccines for deer. But they weren't really practical because they required multiple injections. Lori and Chris got in touch with him around 2014. By then, we had already done several field projects where we had transitioned from what was supposed to be cutting-edge vaccine-based fertility control research into what was originally discussed as being absolutely insane which was performing surgeries on wild animals. So we started researching the best methods for doing ovariectomies. That was the start of this notion. And we were like, this isn't so bad, right? We can do these procedures in 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, The survival rates were, were pretty amazing. The whole ovariectomy procedure is less complicated than spaying a cat or dog. You're just taking out the ovaries, not the entire reproductive tract. And in dense urban areas where shooting isn't allowed or isn't ideal, this surgical sterilization can be a good option. Lori and her friend were interested, and they decided to convince the neighborhood. It's 11.50 p.m. The doe is on a gurney at a spay and neuter clinic for cats and dogs. Vet tech Sarah Long pulls out an electric razor and starts prepping for surgery. 
shave a spot for the catheter, shave where they were hit by the dart, shave their belly for surgery. Every timestamp of every movement is documented for their records. Vital signs are too. 99.3 for her temperature. Okay, I need gloves, size eight. 99.3. At 12, 12 a.m. Incision. Okay, one of you guys give me a time on that, please? Uh, 0012. 0012? <laughs> yep. Randy Youngie, a vet from the Columbus Zoo, and also the same person who darted the deer, makes a small cut into her shaved belly. So it's sort of the ram's horn uterus. I just reach in, get under it, and lift up, and follow one horn out. And there's the ovary. Within five minutes, Randy takes out both ovaries, which look like shriveled grapes. The vet tech uses a machine to seal the ovarian arteries. All right. At 12.30, Randy sews up her belly. That's stitch. That's stitch. And staples it closed. Back in the fall of 2014, Lori and her friend Chris brought all their research to another town meeting, determined to stop the bow hunt. Jeff McElravey was not thrilled about this. You know, we see roadkill all the time. Like with, you know, skunks and possums and things like that. What do you think about deer is different for people? Bambi. Jeff has lived in Clifton since the 60s. He started hunting rabbits and squirrels as a kid. I thought that uh, the idea of bow hunting, the thin the herd, was a great idea. When the fall town meeting rolled around, hunters were ready to go. So a lot of people have already gone through and had already set up their tree stands. And the park board was talking about stopping the hunt. And I thought that was terribly unfair. If you're going to do that, do it next year. But there were sufficient people in the neighborhood that did not want to have the possibility of a, a dead deer in their yard and other people that just didn't like the idea of hunting, period. The park board decided to call off the bow hunt in Clifton. And one alternative, deer ovariectomies, seemed like the most viable option. I mean, did any of your your other bow hunter friends, did they think it was silly at all? Well, to some degree, yeah. I mean, as far as cost, all the effort that goes through doing it in that manner, you got a lot of manpower that's involved with it. But if, you, if you're not going to hunt, something has to be done. The estimated cost for that first year was $40,000, about $1,000 a deer. Lori and the team got a $20,000 grant from the U.S. Humane Society, and then the rest was up to them. They needed to figure out all the details, the money, the manpower, the permits from the DNR. Lori was writing grants left and right. It really was a second job. It, it kind of took over my life. All of us on the leadership team put in, you know, $1,000 or $2,000 of our own money to, you know, get it started. And then the rest, we went door to door that summer. We knocked on every door in the community. They raised the money and sterilized 41 does that first winter.
The project's been going for nine years now. Lori and a dedicated team raise the money each year, and dozens of people volunteer. They sterilized deer number 96 while I was there, and Clifton's deer population has gone down by about 40%, which they consider a success. Plus, the whole thing costs a lot less now, partially because there's only a handful of does to target each year. It's not a solution that works everywhere, though. You've got to have roads to access the woods and people willing to pay. But places like Ann Arbor, Michigan, Cleveland, Ohio, and suburban Chicago have run similar programs. Still, why go to all that trouble? It's cheaper and easier to hunt or hire sharpshooters. You can avoid all the freezing cold nights, all the fundraising, all the grunt work. And is this really better for the deer? I mean, we'll never know. I guess we'll never know. I'm just trying to... I feel like this is the most compassionate thing we could do, and I'm in favor of adding compassion to the world when I can. But that doesn't mean that we've got it exactly right. Lori told me about their very first year darting deer. There were so many does to sterilize, and they were operating out of this makeshift surgical center. There's this deer on the table, and I think it was Vicky DiNicola who just like had her hand resting on the fur and it just moved me so much. And it felt, not to be weird, but almost the weight of it felt sacred in a way. Increasingly, as I experienced this, and I think I experienced it for the first time then, you can't do this without feeling a lot of humility because it's weighty. This is a wild animal who I care enough about them to go to all this trouble, but I'm also altering their future and doing so because I think it's best, but without consent and possibly endangering them if something goes wrong. I don't know if they'd thank me for that because they're spared bow hunting or if they'd say, why didn't you just leave us alone? It's almost 1 a.m. We're in the middle of a soccer field near where the deer was darted. She's lying on a tarp, waiting for the reversal drug to kick in. Swallowing and blinking now. Randy, the vet, is cradling her head, rubbing her fur. Then, all of a sudden, she's on her feet. Hi. Go that way. At 1:02. She gets her balance on the tarp and slowly walks off towards the woods, less than two hours after she was tranquilized. In a few days, the fur on her belly will start growing back. In a few weeks, the incision will heal and the staples will fall out. She'll live pretty much the same life as before. She just won't be able to reproduce. Jeff McElravey, the hunter, 
he has this reverence for the deer. Oh, they're gorgeous. They're gorgeous. You know, you'd watch the doe move around and feed and hop around, and I like seeing them move through the woods. Do you think we owe wildlife anything? Do we owe deer anything? I think we owe them the opportunity to have their space as much as we can and to live their life cycles as best we can. Uh, when they start overpopulating, which they can do, then we have to do things to, to rein them in. How you get there, I really don't care. I have a natural bent to the hunting, but the uh, sterilization, that's fine. But uh, they're put here for a reason. They deserve to have the, their space too, along with the rabbits and the squirrels and all the rest. Like Lori said, I think most people are in favor of adding a little compassion to the world when they can. We're all just trying to figure out how. This episode was written and produced by me, Ellie Katz. It was edited by Morgan Springer. Additional editing by Ed Ronco and Peter Payette. Music by Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to Beth Whalen, Bob Rack, and Garrett Parsons. If you like Points North, do us a favor and rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And check out the PBS show Great Lakes Now. They've got a new digital series called Waves of Change. You'll learn more about the environmental justice movement in the Great Lakes and the diverse people and perspectives shaping it. That's at greatlakesnow.org. Points North is a production of Interlochen Public Radio.